Thanks to our friends at The Hollywood Show for their help with this episode of Talking About Cars with Randy Cardoon. See more at HollywoodShow.com. Lisa Dubinsky, who I got a, a date with because Fawn Leibowitz, I pretended had been my fiance, right. who was killed in a kiln explosion the week before. <laughs> and that's a true story that Chris Miller, who was one of the writers, experienced when he was at Dartmouth. One of his, his uh, fraternity brothers did that. Took, took, you know, went to the school that the girl had died in and said, oh, she was my fiance. Can, can you get uh, some dates from my five friends? <laughs> kiln explosion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sophomore dies in kiln explosion. Kiln explosion. Okay. I, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so. Words with K are funny. And welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon, and this time around, we talk about the cars and the movie Animal House. The movie filmed around the University of Oregon 40 years ago, featuring the late John Belushi as Bluto, the late John Vernon as Dean Warmer, Tim Matheson was the all-around preppy and good-looking guy Otter... Eric Stratton. He drove that 62 vet from the movie, remember that? And character actor Bruce McGill is Daniel Simpson Day, or as he was lovingly called, D-Day. That's the guy who took a blowtorch and turned a Lincoln Continental into the death mobile. Oh yeah, yeah, now, now it's all coming to you. I caught up with both Bruce and Tim at a recent Hollywood show near the L.A. airport, and as I talked with Bruce, who you may remember from many roles, most recently as a detective in Rizzoli and Isles, about his first ever experience at an autograph show, which happened to be right then and there. It's more talking than I expected it to be. Oh, really? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not just going to put my head down and sign. Uh-huh. I'm going to visit with them, because I figure that's at least part of what they want. Uh-huh. And I've never done one before, so I've got I'm on a steep learning curve. Oh. But it's it's uh, it's actually been interesting and pleasant, and I've seen people I haven't seen in years, so that's a plus. Well, yeah, it must be kind of neat. When was the last time you saw some of the people from the movie? Oh, well, this is the 40th year of the release of Animal House, so I've been seeing them all year. This started uh, there were events all over the place, so I've been seeing them. So, back in the movie of Animal House. You guys were the frat in 62. You guys were running around. And in a sense, for our sense, the cars involved seemed to be really big. The one that sticks out was uh, that Lincoln that you guys turned into, or at least the characters turned into, that yeah. big tank thing. Lincoln Tell me some of your... Doors. Yeah. I, I don't know how you got past Otter's Corvette. Uh-huh. That was a cool car. That was a cooler car. I'm sorry, go ahead. Tell me a little bit about when you guys got an idea of what you were going to do and tell me what you remember about those cars car wise it was all scripted very carefully and uh we were pretty much told the only thing i don't think was in the script was belushi measuring carefully then smashing the windshield out with a sledgehammer i don't think that was exactly scripted but i was always there to light the torch and say leave everything to me and you know i think i threw in the diabolical laugh and you know the car was sort of a character in the show because it was Flounder's brother's car and he was eager to be accepted and these guys were ruthless. I mean, really, there was nothing politically correct about Animal House. But in those days, it was different. You know, it was different. And yes, it's somewhat misogynist. And yes, you could say that it's racist, but it's still funny. No, I'm not so sure. But I think uh, eventually 
the general public, and they may be already there, are going to be tired of the rigidity of the so-called ethics and whatever kind of police you want to call them, and, and just going to throw it off. I mean, there are certain things that it's, it's very good that they're out of our vernacular. There are other things that are a little racy that should be left alone. Mm-hmm. And I know in my business I work with the men and women, of course, and I'll, you know, I'll, if I see an opportunity to, to, to be flirtatious, I'll be flirtatious. And I've had women say, oh, thank God. You know, because <laughs> it, it, when it's healthy, it's part of life and society, and it's been, it's been fun and good and healthy for hundreds of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we, maybe they didn't use language. They maybe they went, ooh, ooh, or something like that. But <laughs> anyway, I think that a lot, especially now, <clears throat> a lot of what is healthy social banter is frightened out of the society and it just makes it a little colorless do you find the roles are kind of like the pendulum they're swinging all the way this way and you anticipate somewhere down the line maybe not returning all the way to where it was but certainly coming uh, the other direction of course i think that's with with everything especially where you're involving a society and you know now anybody who's paying attention realizes it is a global society you may not speak all languages but pictures go across all all you know, all boundaries and can be captioned in any language. And, you know, people post whatever they want. Wikipedia, which is very useful, but that's not curated, really. You can put anything on there you want, and it's up to whoever. If it sounds wrong to me, because I use the Internet uh, as a research tool now. If I get a part and it's going to take place in a certain era or in a certain place or with certain real individuals from history, man, I've got it. Bang, bang, bang. I've got so much information. Where And I'm old enough to where I used to have to go to the library and, and maybe go to a different library. And uh, it's just so for... Are you sense, on social media now? I'm not. My wife curates a fan page. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad about it. I used to feel bad about it. I've gotten over it now. Because what if somebody sees it and I don't respond? Like if somebody that I knew in high school or whatever... And she said, they know, they don't, but I don't know that that's true. Mm-hmm. But to anybody out there, I'm, you know, I certainly mean no disrespect. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, no, I'm not going to do it. I spend a lot of energy hiding out because, I, I mean, I, I rent out my body and soul to these scripted characters. And the more people know about me, actually, the, the less or the more difficult it is to be believable as a new character. Mm-hmm. As Shakespeare wrote in the mouth of Hamlet, what, would you pluck out the heart of my mystery? Would you play me like an instrument? No, that's for me. And I, I, you know, I'm in the business of depicting invented characters. Sometimes they're historic, like in Lincoln, but often they're made up out of whole cloth. Mm-hmm. And the, the less people know about me, Bruce McGill, the better chance I have at being believable as that character. Yeah. So you're not going to end up on TMZ anytime soon? Oh, not on purpose. Besides, I think I'm so boring, they have no interest <laughs> in it. If I, could, if I went out and got in a big fight somewhere, maybe. Okay. All right. I got to go back to the Lincoln, though. So when Belushi punched out the window, it wasn't supposed to be punched out? No, they were ready for it, but oh. I just don't, I don't remember that being scripted. But you have a big prop like that, and you're looking for funny business. I mean, the only thing that's funny about that, and this might have been... He was always going to be helping me make the death mobile. That uh-huh. was always in there. Uh-huh. But measuring it so carefully with a <laughs> tape measure, that's misdirection in comedy. It's, you know, he's so careful and then he just smashes it. Mm-hmm. But that was so Bluto. You know, mm-hmm. that was a, and it could be, I don't remember, but it could be something that John Belushi just came up with. And it could be something that John Landis said would be funny. 
you don't know when you're in the, and I haven't, I saw a copy of the script today. Somebody had us signing a copy of the original script of Animal oh, wow. House, which is, that's incredible. And, and it was given to him by Harold Ramis. He used to have uh, Harold Ramis, one of the writers of the film. Their office was in the same building in Santa Monica. And so he just came down and gave him a copy of Animal House, which he kept. And now he's got it signed by everybody. So they brought out the Deathmobile for the scene. First time you'd seen it, what was your reaction? Killer. <laughs> and I was stoked that the guy driving it for the stunt stuff was Bud Eakins, who was a, ma a major motorcycle guy. And I had motorcycles as a kid. And when I, I, I met Bud Eakins, that was a big deal to me. I think Bud did McQueen's stunts for The Great Escape. I think he did. But he was like a, a major for real motorcycle rider and became a stunt rider. But he was just, you know, top of the heap. So when I see him driving, and he's driving it to make it look all out of balance and stuff. And when we saw the actual Deathmobile that first day, it was, just, it was my first reaction. I just laughed because I never <laughs> expected that tall a turret. And it was supposed to, they said, well, it was supposed to look like they just took a water tank, a stock tank, and welded it on. <clears throat> and also I said, okay, I made that in one night. The night before the parade, I made all that? Sure. <laughs> good thing this is a comedy. Well, you were really good. I, I mean, your oh, yeah, character ma was master, awesome. Master welder. <laughs> <laughs> so, silly question. Was what they did and put, put the, tur the turret on and the whole thing, was that the original Lincoln? Or was it? did they come up with something different? Do you know? I doubt it. I doubt it. I imagine that they they found something in less perfect shape because the original Lincoln had to run. Yeah, and it, it was, was a drivable nice. car. It was, it was nice. Yeah. So I doubt it. I don't know the, the answer. But I think we did break the window out of the original. And then, I don't remember. It's a long time ago. Yeah. And I was young. <laughs> and I, you never drove it. Uh, oh, yeah, I did drive it a little bit. Around just, I said, I gotta get the. I was always doing this. I gotta get the feel of the motorcycle. I gotta get the feel of this. Uh -huh. But you know, I, uh, I, I was a kid in Texas, and I remember how crazy I thought the suicide doors were, even then. So I said, I gotta feel that. I know this is a heavy car. I just want to feel how it sprung. And you know, I was sort of expecting them to so go back to your trailer, but they let me take it for a spin. Really? Yeah. So it, you were. I mean, you couldn't the see through the front windshield, uh, though. Uh, there wasn't no. a front windshield. How did you see? Um, God, I, I think there was a slit. Oh, was there? I think there was a slit, yeah, because he had to be able to see when he drove the stunt. But I drove it, you know, when, when we were doing, like when I cut the cake, uh -huh. that's just grips shaking the car. <laughs> you know, uh, but I did. The funniest thing that happened was we shot everybody's interior coverage in the Deathmobile on one day, and we didn't get to me, the driver, until the next day. And that night... A, a very sharp cold front came through so the next morning we're trying to shoot my stuff and you, my breath is frosting and you're seeing you know condensation of breath nobody else had that so what are we going to do so first they say well put ice in your mouth that'll make the temperature of your mouth less that didn't work at all okay well, let's try this <laughs> let's try that and then we had another piece of equipment there which they used to dry tracks which is a major blowtorch and they used it to dry up the street if, you, if it rained and we didn't want rain to match. So they, somebody comes up, didn't say a word to me. And I'm in the, the driver's seat and there's black duvetine, which is material all around me. Somebody comes up with this torch that they use to dry asphalt and goes <laughs> right around me. I mean, there's bits of material burning, but it worked. It warmed up the air in the vicinity 
quick enough to get the shot of me going ramming speed or whatever, cut the cake. But that was nobody said anything to me about it. They just okayed it. Shocking. So you're sitting there waiting, and, and now think, okay, somebody's like guys torching me. torching you. Yeah. <laughs> Got my attention. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, do you get stunt like credit for that? I got told nothing but shut up. Say your line. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I, I was not the only person surprised by that. Uh-huh. People, you know, some of the people on the set in charge of safety were going, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Fast and loose. <laughs> and if I remember right, there were scenes of you actually in the turret or not? In the tur- in the oh, no, you were at, yeah, who was driving it? You were driving, I was driving. it, right? So yeah. did they have shots of you in the turret? Yes, they were all done still. At the, when, I, when I exited, after everybody else was gone, huh? and if you remember, my crawl was whereabouts unknown. Oh, right. So after all this other stuff was going on, I waited. Very clever guy, D-Day. And then I hop out and steal a cop car and do a really nice reverse 180. I do a reverse 180, and it freezes, whereabouts unknown, and off I go. Yep. Yep, 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 62 Ford, if I remember right, something like that. It seemed to me it was odd. I think it was a Chrysler. Was it? It seemed, you know, I don't know. You might be right. You might be right. I'm, I just remember it should have been a It was a, a long time ago. So I hear. It was, it was a, it was a, I think it was a Chrysler product. Okay. I don't know why I think that, but I remember thinking. Like a Plymouth or something like yeah, that? Something or like that. Dodge or something? You might be right. You might be right on I'll that. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm curious. The other vehicles on there, that Corvette, that was a nice car, nice piece. But but it didn't it didn't work much. You know it would like if they bring it to work, he would drive up like to the motel. So when you think about it, it didn't have to work that many days. It was not in the movie that much. And uh, like the horse, the horse was. You talk about an early conveyance. That horse was the most expensive element on the movie. Really? Until uh, Sutherland came in. Yeah, because the horse had to have the trainer, the horse had to have its photo double, and the horse had to have his best friend. And then they had to have Teamsters by union rules. So that horse was an expensive the, item. The horse had to have a photo double? So... The horse was spoiled. Oh. The horse was special. The horse was pampered by this leathery woman named Stevie. And, <laughs> and she... I believe there were three white horses. It could have been that the photo double and the best friend were the same horse, but I'm not so sure. But uh, that horse was pampered and expensive. What was your first car? My first car was a 1963 Chevy 2 Nova, six-cylinder with a on-the-column three-speed. Pretty good car. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it, it was a very comfortable. It would be big by today's standards. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you rent a full-size car now from Hertz or whatever, and it's a Camry. <laughs> yes. And even Camrys are getting bigger than the original yeah. Camrys well, used Toyota to Toyota does that. They, they come with a, a model, like the Highlander, I'm thinking. Started little, then it gets bigger, bigger, and then they come in below for a little. So that was my first car. I remember it very well. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. It was a good car. Was there ever a car you had that you don't have anymore that you'd like to get back? Nope. No? Because the car I'm driving now is eight, 19 years old. My daily driver is a 2000 Lexus LS400 Platinum Series in impeccable shape. And uh, that's it's only got 180000 on it. And uh, at one point, the paint started to get silver. And they, they admitted to having a little problem at that time with their silver paint. So I had a very high dollar paint job put on it. And it lives outside. 
in California in the sun, and uh, it runs like a top. Everybody, everybody has a car that a list of cars they'd always like. So what's number, give us the first couple of uh, cars on the Bruce Miguel top five cars I want someday. Or that I wanted when I was younger, how about that? Okay, that'll work. Because now I'm kind of past materialism. Okay. And cars are cars, you know. Well, you've had it for 18 I wanted, years. Uh, yeah. I thought that the Oldsmobile 442 1964 was a very cool car, convertible. And the same era GTO, mm-hmm. very cool car. The first year of the Stingray, I had to have one of those. And I like a 62 Corvette a lot. And I've never been a Ferrari guy, because, and especially now, it's too hard to get in and out of them. And I never wanted a Rolls Royce. So those cars, those are the ones. Why 64? That's kind of an interesting year, because uh, usually you, know, you think of the ones that are 69. Well, it just had a, such a beautiful, I thought, balanced shape. The front end and the back end were very symmetrical. And it, they were huge. Those cars were huge by today's standards. And also, it's the first one that came to my high school. So uh, I'm surprised I remember that's the year. That was the year. That's a cool year. Have you ever been involved in any other TV shows or movies that really relied on a lot of cars or certain cars stood out? Well, Miami Vice. But I oh, didn't have one. right, right. I did Miami Vice, and uh, my guy was not one of the car guys, but they were around, of course. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, that's a drag. I mean, you, at least you should have checked in and said, well, do I get a car? Well, my guy was a nut. He's kind oh. of a nut. So they, uh, not so much that I noticed, but again, generally the character I play in TVs and movies is not a stunt driving main action guy, you know. Like I have I had a lot of cop cars. I've had a lot of unmarked detective cars. I've had um, the delivery truck in a movie and I was a butcher. I had a meat delivery truck. <clears throat> you went from a guy that stole a car a cop car to a guy that basically drove a lot of cop cars. When did that transition happen in I your career? I can tell you. But, but you know, but pretty much I went from stealing the cop car to having somebody else driving the car, me being the, the higher ranked passenger. Ah. And sometimes on Rizzoli and Isles, the series, I did drive. And, but I got to tell you, Angie Harmon is a really good driver. So whenever, and she loves to drive. And she loves to drive fast and crazy. And I'm like very careful. Very cautious. Were you ever like a passenger in the car that she drove? Oh, hell yeah. I loved it. Did she like do a lot of spin outs or do you? Well, no, but if she had to back up a little, she wouldn't back up slow. She'd back up almost like I had in, in Animal House. She'd almost go <laughs> and slide it. You know? uh-huh. And and she would, the only time she'd get furious, if we were coming around a blind corner, if all the background and everybody in the crew knew to stay out of the way, because she was coming in hot. And she said, I don't want to be a, be a pain in my ass if I hit somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Actor Bruce McGill from Animal House. Nothing like a death mobile story or two to pique your interest, I'm thinking. Bruce, by the way, one busy actor. According to IMDb, he has no less than four movies in post-production now and one just completed. Now, Tim Matheson, who played Eric Otter Stratton. With the 40th anniversary of Animal House, this autograph show was really a great chance for him to have a reunion of sorts. That was my college life, was doing Animal House. So, and many of these people, like McGill was the best man at my wedding, and one of my weddings, and uh, and uh, Regard and I have been good friends forever, and Jamie Widow's a big director here in Hollywood, and uh-huh. big pal of mine, so... So yes, I you know it 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 is kind of a reunion and and people that I I love dearly and we experienced a lot you know special things together. 
Car-wise, your character in Animal House had that Corvette. Yeah. All right, so you're set up. You're, the first, I'd like to get your reaction to the first time you saw that Corvette. I loved it. I mean, you know, it was the first car I ever really fell in love with as a kid. I mean, because I was just very young when it came out. And I used to just, and it was, I liked it better than the, the T-Bird, you know. The, it, was, it, was, it was the coolest car possible. And I couldn't imagine what kind of car they were going to have me driving in that movie. When they drove up in that car, in that color, oh my God, it was heaven. And then, and then I got to drive it a couple of times. I think it was two or three scenes I was driving it, other than when we drove the, um, the Lincoln. Uh, and trash that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. but but that, that Corvette is the coolest car ever. So is it true that it had issues and didn't drive? They had to push it around a lot. Or? Oh yeah, I mean, cause every time you, you buy a you get a car for a movie that looks good, but and this, and everybody always says yeah, 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 oh it's great, it's great, and then it can't you can't get them running at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you had that car, and. But the big star car, I guess, of the show was that Lincoln. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, now you guys all, it was a regular Lincoln, right? I mean, it, it, you guys crammed into it for that w one scene. Tell me a little bit about what you remember about it. Well, I think there were two of them, you know, one for the exterior stuff when driving, and one of them drove, one of them didn't, right? You know, and uh, the, um, you know, it was suicide doors. And I mean, it was just, it was this great, the great classic Lincoln. Um, and then I also got, it had to be big enough so that I could almost get laid in the back seat you right. know, of it. Right. And um, so it, it, there are a lot of fond memories about that car. Now, who was it again that uh, that happened with? I'm trying to remember. That was Lisa Dubinsky, who I got a, a date with because Fawn Leibowitz, I pretended, had been my fiance, right. who was killed in a kiln explosion the week before. <laughs> And that's a true story that Chris Miller, who was one of the writers, experienced when he was at Dartmouth. One of his, his uh, fraternity brothers did that. Took, took, you know, went to the school that the girl had died in and said, oh, she was my fiance. Can, can you get uh, some dates from my five friends? <laughs> kiln explosion. Yes. <laughs> Sophomore dies in kiln explosion. Kiln explosion. Okay. I <laughs> I love that. Okay, so <laughs> words with K are funny, right? Exactly. Well, absolutely. Uh, so flash forward, fast forward to the Death Mobile. Yes. First time you saw the Death Mobile. We saw. Okay, we saw it um, in rehearsal. They took us out to the shop that was tearing down probably the fourth or fifth. Uh, version of the, uh, the Continental that we were driving. So there were two that we could drive. Then there was one that was converted into the Deathmobile. And that was genius. We, and we saw a little tiny like model of what it was going to look like, the cake and an eat me cake and all that. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it was just, every, everything about it was pure Lampoon. You know, and I was a huge National Lampoon fan at that time and they had not made a movie. And it just the movie and what we were doing and saying and, and what these things looked like when we were there in rehearsal, it said that embodies everything that the Lampoon stands for, which is just outrageous, probably over the line, poor taste, but knowingly going over the line rather than just being in poor taste. Mm -hmm. Now, did you ever get a chance to drive in it? Or Oh, yes. Yeah? Oh, yeah, because what happened was, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He was... Uh, um, 
a great stuntman, Paul, I'll think of his last name, was, was, was driving and he was the guy that doubled Steve McQueen in The Great Escape, mm -hmm. uh, the motorcycle stuff. And he was driving it and I wanted, I said, I gotta meet this guy and, uh, and I asked the stunt, head stunt coordinator, uh, Gary McClarty, I said, can, can I ride in the car? And he says, yeah, if, if Paul doesn't mind, you can do it. So he didn't mind, the directors didn't mind, so I was in the car when he crashed it. And I was, you know, holding on for dear Seriously. life. Seriously? Oh, yeah. I mean, just because I knew all these stuntmen. I had just been doing a bunch of westerns before this, so I knew all these stunt guys and everybody. And it was just like, and they, in those days, they let you do that. Nowadays, they'd say insurance. No, you can't do that and whatever. But it was, yeah, I wanted to be there when they were doing this stuff. And it was, ah, oh, it was great. How many takes did it take when they crashed it? One. I mean, it one. has to be one. It was one. How many cars do they have? Yeah, it was when he ran it into the, uh, to the, uh, the stands. Grandstand? Yeah, yeah the, the grandstand. grandstand. Yeah. And you were in it, yeah, literally in the yes, car. Yes, in the car, and it was just him and me. And uh, oh my God, it was just—it was so much fun. But that, those were the days. And they let me crash the car when we went to the roadhouse. I said I can do this. I said we know how to do this. Um, we know. I had him back me up about twenty feet and just hit the hit the gas pedal all the way to the floor and smashed it in. Because you can't get going more than 12, 14 miles an hour. Everybody had fernie pads in front of us, you know, and. We had our seatbelts on and just smacked into it. And it was that like, was the Lincoln before the death won't be. Yes, there. yeah, when we did, went to the Dexter Lake Roadhouse. Right. Wow. Did you get any stunt credit for this? Nah, they never give you anything. You know, it's like, yeah, it's okay. Stunt money? Nothing? <laughs> nah, not a dollar. Oh, man. <laughs> nobody on Animal House, nobody got paid anything. It was all it was all one of those super low-budget movies, but you wanted to be in it so so much because of the quality of it and how funny it was. So, and, and we all kind of had a hunch, maybe this, if this works, this will be a good kickoff to a movie career. So it worked. Yeah, it kind of worked. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, just for you, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So any other movie you were in where a car kind of played prominently that you can think of? I did a movie called Sometimes They Come Back, which is a Stephen King movie. And uh, it had a, um, I think it was a 57 Chevy that was chopped and, and it was it was but it was like the devils coming back in this car and, and and then they had exhaust pipes that shot flames out of the back of it so that was that was a quite a car that was you know again a Chevy your first car was what I drove a 1962 Volkswagen Bug not not a very sexy car I, it didn't help me with the girls I must say when I was in high school um, the second car I got was a 2000 TC Rover made by Land, the Land Rover company, and it was their sedan. It was sort of the equivalent of a 320i BMW, say, back in the 60s. And um, I loved that car. I just loved it. It was, the, it was built as the safest car in the world because it had a, the motor was, it was, if you did a head-on, if you had a head-on collision, it drove the motor underneath the passenger compartment. Oh, really? And absorbed a lot of shock, and supposedly it was really good. And, but it was a great, great car. First car you bought with your real first really good movie paycheck? I, it was a Rover. Oh, it, it was, it was a the Rover, Rover. Okay. and because that was a sports car, and, and I and I just loved it. Uh, then I bought a 260Z, a Datsun 260Z, um, and I was you know back in the hippie days, I was I had a Volkswagen bus, and then I went to the Datsun. I think I went to the Datsun 260Z, mm -hmm. which I loved. They're cool cars. Oh my God, it was a great car. Yeah. Any car that you don't have anymore that you'd like to get back? I had a 58 Chevy pickup, which was great. And um, I wanted to get a 57, but I couldn't, uh, couldn't find one, so I got a 58. What's uh, in your garage now? I have a, a BMW i3 electric, which I love. It's, um, 
a small little electric. You get about 120 miles. It's a town car. It's not meant for the road. It's not a Tesla or anything. But I love the way an electric vehicle drives. You know, the acceleration is like so in intense and insane. And I'm sure you've, you've driven the Tesla, driven the Tesla, mm -hmm. and, and and then the second you take your foot off the gas, it decelerates. And which I think is the safe, the best safety feature I've ever seen. I don't know why other cars don't. Uh, most and it cars charges don't. the car, if I'm not mistaken, yes, in that way. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just it's it's smart on so many levels. I never have to go in a gas station again. And I oh, actually I do because I have a two gallon tank that has a generator in that a little Jenny motor. It's like a, it sounds like a, a, a lawnmower. <laughs> and it charges the battery instead of having a, a combustion engine that like a, when I had a Prius before, you have the motor and the batteries. Now this doesn't even have the motor, so you just got a little Jenny that charges the battery and it and, and adds, to, I think, 60 miles to my, my distance. Mm -hmm. so I, I love it. You don't have like a classic second car in the garage? No. Okay. I let go. My, you know, my wife has a, an Audi, she's, she's the hybrid Audi uh, station wagon, I forget what it's called. Okay. Every guy or everybody who's a car person, or even not a car person, has this thing, they, the list. It's the list that cars that you would like someday, or what is on the Tim Matheson top five list, or give or take a few, I want one of those cars one day. I think... Probably Tesla, for sure, I think. You know, I wouldn't mind driving a Tesla. I hope they stay in business. Uh, two, I've never had a Porsche. Always wanted a Porsche, but felt that when I was younger, I said, I'll get killed. You know, I'll just be going too fast, and I'll be, you know, it's not going to be a good thing. It won't right. end. Or I'll get too many tickets. So, um, and then my kid shamed me from driving. I was, I was driving 540 BMW, 740 BMW. She says, Dad... You've got to, you know, walk the walk. You talk the talk about conservation. So I got into the Prius thing, you know. Um, but I, I must say, I think, yeah, Tesla is probably it for me. And, you know, and maybe a truck. I'd, I'd like to get back into a truck someday. Mm -hmm. New one or old one? Probably new one. I, you know what the thing is about driving old, old vehicles? They just... It's hard. You got to crank the wheel. You, you know, I, I had a '68 Chevy pickup, and, and I like that. It was good, but it's still old. You know, I mean, it's and getting parts is hard and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. What so, do you drive? What do I drive? I drive a uh, well. I used to drive a Honda Insight when my daughter was in cheerleading, and we used to bounce all over the state to have to right. run her to Vegas and run her to San Diego and run her to San Jose for tournaments. Before that, I had a Dodge Magnum, which oh, had a nice. 5.7 Hemi. Nice. And uh, the car after that uh, was what I'm driving now is a uh, Challenger. Oh, so you got you got a classic. You got the classic. No, the real. No, actually, it's a newer one. A new Challenger. It's a new Challenger. It's the. Uh, it's the RT, the 5.7, but it's got the little shaker hood. <laughs> I, nice. I always said, you know something? Sometimes you got to roll the dice and get what you want. Because <laughs> who knows how long we're going to be here on this it's earth. Damn straight. Absolutely. So, If not now, when, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So what's the, what's the roll the dice, gas guzzler, feature car you would want under those circumstances? Oh. If your daughter wasn't paying attention to you and you did it without anybody knowing, where would you go? What kind of car would you get? I think maybe an Aston Martin, Ooh. you know, 
I just, I, because James Bond drove it, and I, you know, I mean, and I, I hearken back to that era, and so I, it's, I think something like that. I drove a, I drove a, a, a Ferrari in a movie once, and I was out at um, the El Toro Air Base, and, and when it was shut down, and so we were driving on their, their uh, runways, and I, I could go at least a mile without having to stop, and I was going so fast in this car, I couldn't even get out of second gear. I mean, I could have, but then I would have had to really be a good driver, and I just thought, I'm not that good, I better just stay in second gear and let this thing decelerate. I, I've never, the only thing, yeah, I, I would go for a Ferrari. I think the only thing better than the acceleration in the Ferrari was, I had, and they had these incredible brakes, was how quickly it stopped. That's it, big. <laughs> it was like just, you know, in a very short amount of time and distance, it just stopped like, like, but it was like falling into a feather pillow. It was like, oh my God, I can see why people go nuts with these cars. It was just, it was that great. But it was only like three inches off the ground, you know, but you could, you could flip a switch and it would raise up and it was one of those, but it was a classic, you know, I think it was a Dino, but it was like, oh my God, yeah, that's pretty cool. The world according to Otter. Tim Matheson, who's been pretty busy as well, last on several series, including The Good Fight, Me, Myself, and I, which, by the way, I loved, but CBS sadly didn't agree, and The Affair. Remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and CanX1070.com, so that way you can be notified when a new podcast is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please give us five stars by rating us. Even leave a comment about what you think of the podcast. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, have a great holiday season and a happy new year. I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. Thanks to our friends at The Hollywood Show for their help with this episode of Talking About Cars with Randy Cardoon. See more at HollywoodShow.com. 